spelling hamsters march on. Oh, Maria, a little more subdued. Still, keep on marching. But, uh, good morning, Bellingham. <laughs> Very good. This is Annika in Columbia. And Maria in Happy Valley. And we are here to talk about Bellingham, the city of subdued whatever we decide to talk about. We want to get to know you, Bellingham. Both the well-known. And not so well-known. We're joined today by our quarantine co-hosts. Annika, have I explained to you on the podcast for public record burritos clown collar not not on the podcast for public record but yes okay so we now need to explain it for public record right. because some of you might live in happy valley near me and you will see my cat rocking a giant almost victorian looking or maybe it's elizabethan collar it's rainbow yeah. um he looks very studly it's conveniently pride themed, but it's not really because we're proud of him. It's because he keeps killing birds and the collar is supposed to help with that, protect our local wildlife. Um, How does it protect our local wildlife, Maria? Well, apparently, according to the website where I bought the Elizabethan cat collar, um, birds are attuned to see really bright colors, like, so it will make him look flashy and, and help the birds fly away before he can get them. Uh, he already has a bell and a big jingly collar, but that hasn't been helping. We had a, an incident like last week where he brought home like five birds in 48 hours. And I was like, this ends now. These poor birds, there's not going to be any birds left. Oh, no. So if you see him. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, he's he's hard to miss. And we'll post a picture. It's very cute. I thought he would hate it. Like, I thought he would be a real butt about putting it on. But I actually think, like, he sort of enjoys the fancy cat collar. He struts around. He mm-hmm. thinks he looks really good. So we are very pleased with the product so far. At least I am. Brandon thinks it's horrifying. And that... He, burrito is embarrassed but i just keep reminding him that burrito (laughs) is a cat (laughs) yeah no their their threshold of embarrassment is pretty high i think um Mm -hmm. that's funny yeah we'll have to post a picture what about romy well you know same old same old good old romy one of our previous guests uh marissa has a i think she has two cats um definitely one though her cat is named Maddie, and she's beautiful. She's And she's the sweetest cat. And she, just like yours, Maria, is an indoor-outdoor cat. Maddie was uh, on our fence, and Romy lost his damn mind. And oh, no. he, like, he, I thought Maddie was going to, like, fall off the fence because she was he, so surprised. And Romy chased her all the way across the yard, still on the fence, and then cornered her to this part where she, like, I think she was kind of freaked out and didn't want to jump down, even though she would have jumped outside of our fence. She would have been fine. But mm-hmm. I think she was kind of paralyzed in fear. Oh, Romy's small, but he has, yeah. Ro- Romy's small. He's got a lot more bark than bite, but that that bark was very intimidating to Maddie. So I ran in between and was like, Romy, get, get. And he, he knows, get and go on. And he ran away and was just bark- looking, turning around, barking at me the whole time. And Probably felt very betrayed when I 
climbed up yeah. and picked up Maddie and set her down outside of the fence. So, oh, yeah, it's like, Mom, why? Look, intruder, intruder, <laughs> bad, bad, bad. I'm helping. I'm helping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So, sorry, Maddie. <laughs> we love when you come over and let us pet you, but beware of Romy. So, Maria, what is the hot goss this week? Annika, I read on the Bellingham Herald that there were five thousand people that showed up for the rally on saturday yes that's amazing we're so proud of you bellingham you are batting with the best of them as far as probably percentage wise and participation that's a very big turnout yeah and it was cool did you see the picture of the aerial photo the the drone pictures and pictures from uh, maritime heritage park and everyone all gathered in solidarity yeah so amazing. I'm so glad that our city is participating at this level. And it, yeah. it's just really heartwarming to see all those people all over the world, all over the United States, you know, fed up, ready for a change, and hopefully holding the systems of power accountable. Yes, I, I agree. And this is kind of a breaking point for people. I mean, for mm-hmm. a lot of things. I've been talking to some people that think that this is all kind of out of the blue it's brand new like these are things that have never really been protested before but that's not I mean not in the not in like quote-unquote recent times Mm -hmm. but there has been but right now there's a lot of yes (laughs) lots of them (laughs) I was like what You, you didn't see any of those yeah I think this has been amplified in a way from you know so many people staying at home and not having to work multiple jobs and be so busy that they aren't able to participate in the way that they are. uh, Yeah. And which is kind of cool. You know, more people are getting on Twitter, Reddit podcasts. I think there's just, you know, so many, even like older people finding ways to not just watch Fox news. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. And like, you know, people being fed up with Facebook. So moving on to different platforms. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, be better, do better. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> one of the hot take <laughs> Zuckerberg yeah <sucks. laughs> yeah <laughs> you heard it here first folks it was not here first but no yeah. it was my idea <laughs> yeah oh man if my love nikki account wasn't tied up with my facebook it would be gone but <laughs> <laughs> yeah any other any other nikki fans out there you know let me know love but love <laughs> nikki dress up queen yeah love nikki dress up queen i doubt there's a, a big fan base <laughs> besides <laughs> we would like to say though that if you did go out to any of the rallies or protests you still gotta act like you're infected i know it's a bummer <laughs> but there was there's very little social distancing not that that's anybody's fault, right? The things that have to be, have to be. But now please quarantine for two weeks because there was absolutely somebody with COVID in that crowd, just like <laughs> because of the way numbers work. Yeah. At, at the very least, there was one person, probably more. I, I saw a good analogy for all of this. Let's pretend that we are all deathly allergic of bees. COVID-19 are the bees. The, the protests surrounding police brutality against black Americans is uh, all, what that is, is your friend being attacked by a bear outside. So you have to run through the trail of bees to say, help your friend. 
but you might get stung along the way. Mm-hmm. I saw that going around um, social media and I was like, huh, that is interesting because I think that's effective as an analogy. Yeah. you. I mean, because I'm seeing it a lot like, look at all these hypocrites protesting during a quote unquote pandemic that, you know, was created by, uh, no, I'm not going to go into that, but <laughs> <laughs> a lot of conspiracy theories going around, you guys. It's it's stressful. Yeah. If only the liberal media would stop making up diseases and <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> just yeah. like, just like keep wearing your mask, stay home, which I know is like an extra bummer because now other good news, Whatcom County is in phase two, which means, I know, lots of places that we want to be are going to be opening up and we can now try to start spending a little bit more time out. Hopefully this doesn't cause us to revert back to phase one, yeah. but there's they say something about like it being harder to spread in the summer. I have no idea like what the scientific evidence for that is. I, I hear the word like fall relapse a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So... Just in time for us not to go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. If we're, we're going to be a little bit lack any time of the year, summer is a good time to do it. Yeah. But, you know, keep the old people in mind, the immunocompromised in mind, solidarity with each other in this moment and, and keeping people safe, whether it's keeping people safe from the police, keeping people safe from a horrible pandemic. It, or like just like keeping people safe from bad attitudes, which is what the K-pop stands have been doing on Twitter, which I just think <clears> is <throat> so awesome. Everybody's being called to fight in their own particular way. <laughs> Whatever movement speaks to you. Yeah. However you can help, whatever way you can contribute. We're going to yeah. teach. K-pop stands are going to co-opt hashtags on Twitter and put cute Korean boys dancing. <laughs> Instead of like horrible racism. So, you know, we're all bringing whatever we can to the party. Mm -hmm. It's a good party to be at. People are wearing masks, but it's not Mardi Gras. Yeah. It's not a masquerade. It's a a different sort of thing. It's a masquerade. I like it, Annika. I think that mask, that's already what it is. Just French. Don't you think? Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) All right. Well. We love you guys, and this wait, interview wait, wait, is wait. oh, one more thing. One more thing. We we have made it over a thousand downloads. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Bellingham, thank yeah. you for also supporting us. Yeah. I I might cry a little bit. Yeah. But we're so excited to have you as listeners, and we're so grateful that you allow us to be in your ears. I'm a little bit shrill, <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> shrill in the best way, Maria. Mm. And my vocal fry could just... Yeah, you've got that sexy voice like Roz on Frasier. I... Mm-mm. No. <laughs> no? Nope. Well, agree to disagree. Okay. We are so excited to share this interview with you. It's really informative. It's really topical. And it gives you specific things you can do as an activist and a member of our community to help make the world safer, more equitable, and to keep yourself safer from arrests. So yeah, let's zoom on over there and uh, we'll see you guys in a bit. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Sean McKee. Sean is a Bellingham native, but also a local criminal defense attorney who has been practicing for over 10 years. Sean is passionate about criminal justice reform, and we are so excited to speak to him today. How are you doing, Sean? And do you have anything fun to drink? 
I'm doing all right, and uh, I, I'm a diabetic, so I'm drinking a Diet Coke. Wonderful. Annika, do you have anything fun to drink? Um, I am drinking the, and I, I had this a few episodes ago, but the Aslan Cosmic Dreams. And I've got a passion fruit hard seltzer. It's really good. I haven't had this flavor before. So since this is a Bellingham podcast, Sean, what brought you to Bellingham? Well, um, I came to Bellingham from Seattle to go to Western back in 1996 and stayed. Like so many of us, like both of us, actually. A fun question. Are there any funny laws in Bellingham, even if they're not being enforced, that you think people would think is fun to know about, think is interesting? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a Washington state law that I, I've never seen anybody charged under it, but um, unlawful discharge of a laser. Oh. <laughs> I think that that came about when uh, laser pointers became very popular. Uh-huh. And there are very many ways to illegally use your laser pointer. But uh, unlawfully discharging a laser is illegal in certain circumstances. And really, yeah, nobody nobody knows about that one. Somebody should tell uh, Studio B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All those flashlights. yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I can think of probably the obvious one is maybe like, you know, when you're driving or you're in the car behind somebody and you're flashing the laser at them. Is there any specific instances that you've heard of like people actually getting in trouble for this or is it I've never seen anyone actually get in trouble for it but okay. that's kind of the the thing that it's designed for if you are using your laser pointer to point at somebody who's driving a bus or flying a plane or something like that or uh, I think at certain times on a police officer yeah that's that's when it's illegal usually yeah bus drivers pilots that kind of thing so Sean what made you go into criminal law Well, I graduated from Western in 2001, and I spent three years after graduating just um, playing in a rock and roll band and traveling around the country and decided I needed to focus up and get a career in order. So I looked at uh, going into grad school and looked at all the different entrance exams and was most drawn to the LSAT. So I took that. And after my first year of law school, I got an internship in Bellingham at the uh, public defender's office. So I kind of dove into that. And after doing that, I kind of focused the rest of my law school career towards that goal. You know, took a lot of research and writing classes, criminal law classes, ended up doing an internship at the public defender's office after every year of of school. And uh, it was a real eye opener. The world works differently from uh, how I thought it did. So that really, um, I don't know, I guess at that point I knew where I was supposed to be. The first time doing that kind of work and getting clearance and fingerprinted to be able to go into the jail, I mean, I was scared, you know? I was like, "Um, they're going to send me into the jail with a bunch (laughs) of prisoners, you know? (laughs) I got in there and met these criminals and realized that there's there's not criminals in here. There's my community in here. Like I, I knew and I recognized several of the faces. And once I started talking to people, realizing that there are no scary criminal, well, I mean, there are scary people in all walks of life, but yeah, criminals are not really a thing. It's, it's yeah. not criminals in that jail. It is your community in there. It is your friends and neighbors in that jail. Yeah. When you watch something like Law and Order, you know, the prosecutors are always the good guys and the criminals are always the bad guys. And 
So in school, I guess I thought maybe that's a way to, to do things, you know, protect the people. But once I actually got into it and saw who these criminals were and how they were being treated, I realized that being on criminal defense is where you really help people and affect people's lives. So I'm happy that I, my career was, um, you know, nudged in this direction. Yeah, definitely. So what can you say about maybe the relationship for the Bellingham community specifically from your perspective as a defense attorney, both with the kinds of things they choose to focus on prosecute from our uh, district attorneys and the kind of policing that happens here in our city? Well, the let's see, where to start on that? <laughs> <laughs> this is a college town and there are a lot mm -hmm. of college students. And I feel like a lot of the policing in this town is um, focused on finding ways to separate college kids from their parents' money. So we see a lot of patrol. I mean, it's gotten to the point where Western now has its own police force. I mean, there are five active police forces in this one small town, and it seems wow. pretty excessive, but they can afford it because they're just raking in money from from this community, you know? Mm -hmm. So college kids that don't know any better, the, the biggest crime that people are in the system for is, is poverty. Yeah. Because people who have money, they pay their speeding tickets on time and don't get late fees and their tabs are good and things like that. And the poor part of our population, they really have issues with that, with being validly licensed to drive. A lot of times people aren't losing their license because they're bad drivers or they have too many infractions. That does happen, but most of the time it's just for being poor. Mm -hmm. So that's the majority of police work that I see. You don't see cops out walking a beat anymore. You don't see them walking around downtown. They're all in their cars. So being validly on the road is kind of a, a real div dividing point as, you know, as far as who gets pulled over and who doesn't. So we see people without a license, they get pulled over. Then, you know, a pullover is often escalated to any type of criminal charge. So every time you're pulled over, there's a chance of being arrested for something else. So it's either what people have in their vehicles or they're pulled over and there's alcohol on their breath or, or something like that. So once you get an arrest yeah. for a DUI, then you can search a person's vehicle. Once you search the vehicle, sometimes there are uh, drugs and things like that, which are also plaguing our, our poorer communities. And so they're just kind of easy targets, I guess. Yeah, that actually kind of segues into my my next question. And that is, uh, what are some of the ways that individuals can get themselves into trouble or into more trouble when they are communicating with uh, law enforcement? Um, yeah, the, the biggest tool that I see the police using when it comes to police work is uh, getting a confession, mm. getting people to talk, getting people to say more than they should. That is... The number one thing I see that's that's a problem in criminal cases is that people don't know how to talk to the police. They don't know how much to talk to the police and how to put limits on it. It's really just the type of thing where it's it, there's not a lot of education around it, and it's also very counterintuitive and you know rude. Mm -hmm. You know, most people are raised with with manners, and it's rude to not answer a direct question. But the police will be using that against you. So mm -hmm. you kind of have to take a different approach when talking to a police officer than with talking to a regular person. What do you recommend? I recommend saying nothing at all. Yeah. <laughs> do not talk to police officers. There are a few things you need to do and that is identify yourself. And that's, well, that's really about it. Stop and identify yourself. 
That, that is what the police can ask for. If they ask you for more than that, you know, a lot of times it goes into their report or see people talk themselves into trouble and they don't even realize it. You know, mm-hmm. the simple questions the you know, how are you doing tonight? Where are you coming from? Where are you heading to? You know, those don't seem like dangerous questions to ask, but once you start answering those questions, it's hard to stop answering questions once you've started. You know, it's 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 part of polite conversation that you answer yeah. a question when it's asked. But I think it's really important that people take control of that narrative. And just as soon as as soon as the police start talking to you, to just say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be answering any questions. Am I free to go? And if you're not free to go, then just say you're invoking your right to remain silent and your right to an attorney. If you are free to go, you should just get out of there. That's that's the other thing people get wrong. Yeah, I could see where something like that would totally happen. I mean, I, I we've been raised to answer direct questions, and if you aren't, myself included, if I I'm not well informed to know that I'm getting myself in trouble because I'm not well versed in the law, like I mean, maybe a working knowledge, but I I could see you know how it would be very easy to get yourself into trouble without realizing it. So. Oh, yeah. I can see myself putting my foot in my mouth real fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The best thing to do is just not not open it. Just don't have the conversation. People always ask, like, when do I know it's gone too far and I need to stop and I need to say that I'm not answering any further questions and I want my lawyer, you know, when does that come into play? And I always tell people it comes into play the instant you speak to a police officer. Yeah. This is an armed man who is got the power to take away your freedom, charge you with crimes. This is very serious. It's gone way too far already if you are talking to a police officer. So I think that, you know, there are a lot of real nice, friendly guys that are police officers. And sometimes they are just making friendly conversation, but it's really nothing to to play around with. Yeah. The things that you do that are counted against you, I mean, people have no idea. The number of DUI cases I've seen where, I mean, People keep their ID in that little clear pocket in their wallet, right? And they have mm-hmm. trouble getting it out. It's it's reported in every DUI report that the person fumbled with their driver's license. Huh. Oh, no. Yeah. If you don't know where your insurance and your registration is, well, then you're fumbling through paperwork. Every word you speak is giving an officer an idea of how much alcohol is on your breath, you know? And people, they know better than to fully incriminate themselves, but... Mm -hmm. They still get caught up in telling lies to an officer, and that's illegal. You can't tell a lie to a police officer about a material fact. They can tell lies to you, but you can't do it in return. So what people end up doing is telling little white lies when really they should just be not talking. Yeah. They get asked, you know, how much did you have to drink tonight? And they'll say, I just had one beer with my friend, right? Because you think, well, I'm minimizing it. Yeah. But no cop's going to believe that. First of all, it's not going to get you anywhere. Secondly, you've just admitted to consuming alcohol. So their probable cause to arrest you is virtually just been handed to them. It required no police work or investigation. People give this stuff away to have a case built against them. I mean, anything you say to an officer is just helping him make a case against you. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's I know I've thought about that before that like I've only had one beer with a friend, but it, they don't need to know that, you know. No, they really don't. They no. really don't. It's, a, it's not going to help you. You should just say, I'm not answering that question. And you're perfectly within your rights at all times to not answer a question. So that really needs to be the default for people. 
a lot of people think like, oh, I, I've talked my way out of many tickets. And you, for the mm. most part, you haven't. You just haven't managed to mess it up enough to get the ticket. But talking to the officer is always a bad idea. Yeah. I'm going to shift the conversation a little bit. When it comes to uh, public protesting, what are some of the things that individuals should keep in mind concerning maybe civil disobedience, uh, unjust force, and I don't know how how to keep themselves easy to defend should an arrest happen? Well, again, just start with not not saying anything to the police officers. You know, it's not illegal to film a police officer, but if you interfere with an officer's work or duties, they do have the right to arrest you for obstruction. Mm. So that's kind of the big one to look out for during any kind of protest. People that are around saying, you know, hey, I know my rights and you can't do this and you can't do this to that guy. And if they have to stop what they're doing to pay attention to you, then they can't arrest you. So I typically feel like, you know, this is a, <laughs> these protests right now are very cop directed, but generally I would say in a peaceful protest to try and not engage with police officers because any, any amount of engaging, it's really just, a, it's a bad road to go down. So that would be the big one. <laughs> it's just try and stay away, stay away from obstructing, you know, keep protests peaceful, you know, and there are a lot of things that can, can breach that that, that people don't realize. We've seen protests a lot where people block streets, you know, or block, block the highway. Things like that can get into, you know, deeper issues. I think that um, the protesting needs to happen. The people need to be able to have their voice heard. But, you know, there are a lot of potential pitfalls when protesting, especially when things turn into rioting and, and that kind of stuff that you know, police can arrest people for a, a whole host of reasons. So try to just not give them any excuse. Yeah. You mentioned that college students were a big demographic of the cases that you handle as a defense attorney. Do you see other discrepancies between men and women, people of color, poor people, homeless people, that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. Um, college students, I feel, are kind of, they're easy prey. For, for police. A lot of them are underage. So you get a lot of kids that are drinking before they're 21. And I've seen it where there's a whole courtroom packed with kids, 19, 20 year old, and they go in for a diversion program. It's, it's nice that the city offers it, but it's still, it's just easy money. You have to uh, stay out of trouble for three months, do a one day alcohol drug class, pay them $300 and your case gets dismissed. So you end up with just courtrooms packed full of kids that are all paying $300, you know, to not have to tell their parents about the time they got arrested. Um, but we do see that just rounding up the underage drinking or underage marijuana use and, and that kind of stuff, because it's just, it's just low hanging fruit, really. Yeah. And, and I'm sure, I mean, from people I knew in my own life, it's not like those things actually have any effect on the behaviors going forward, right? I don't think that people that are are twenty year olds and drinking belong in jail or, or anything like that. It's just it seems so silly. And you're right, like an easy cash grab. Like the only reason those laws exist is so they can extort people for money. Yeah, pretty pretty much. 
there's a good number of those. And, you know, college kids commit a lot of DUIs. I mean, DUIs are just a huge moneymaker mm-hmm. for the or for the city. You know, DUIs are a very delicate issue to talk about because nobody wants drinking and driving. But at the same time, do we want the police handling it the way that they're handling it? Is this really answer to arrest people and take their money while defunding public transit and defunding uh, alcohol treatment programs. You know, are we really getting to the root of this or are they trying to have as many DUIs as they can get because it's a huge money? Yeah, I guess that's how you get people with like a a pile of DUIs is because the problem hasn't actually been fixed. And I think, for example, I I lived in Montana for a little bit and Columbia Falls was the uh, DUI capital of Montana. But there was a gentleman there that had 14 DUIs. And it's like, well, and and he's still able to get 14 DUIs. And I don't know. It obviously isn't changing his behavior. There's, like you said, there's public transit that he, my guess is he has a drinking problem. I'm not going to speculate too much, but I know in that town, there were no, no resources for people that were either seeking treatment or needed treatment. Yeah, it's definitely a bigger it's a bigger issue. And, you know, whenever they vote for harsher laws, everyone everyone votes for them for harsher laws on DUIs. But I really think that it's a lot more of a, a money-making scheme than it is a, a DUI prevention type situation. You know, I think that there are actual actions that could, you know, reduce DUIs, especially in this town. What do we have? One shuttle that goes up to Western and back? I mean, buses stop running when, you know? Yeah, it's very proactive thinking. Yeah. To think that we should probably address DUIs before before somebody gets into a car, right? Yeah. Right. You wish, because it's it's hard to know what, uh, what is it, like 0.08, right? Yeah, what is, what do different people look like at point oh eight? My giant friend, my skinny friend, somebody that's been drinking twenty years, as opposed to somebody that just started. It would be without the device in front of you. I think a lot of people really underestimate what their blood alcohol content is. Absolutely, people who are actual drinkers, you know, point oh eight comes very early in the evening. As far as being, you know, really intoxicated goes, point oh eight is is not there. So we have a lot of people that get DUIs that have no idea that they're over the limit. I, I've seen people a number of times that have taken a cab to the bar, went out drinking, took a cab home, went to sleep, got up in the morning to drive to work, and got a DUI in the morning. Huh. Oh, that's horrible. They were trying to do all the right things. Yeah, doing all the right things, getting a full night's sleep, and still getting one in the morning. Yeah. I only see that usually when there's a car accident. DUIs for a .08 are usually people are stopped for another reason other than bad driving. Yeah. It's... um Headlight. Yeah. The, the one that gets a lot of people is the license plate light. That one gets a lot of people. There's no indicator on your dashboard that your license plate light is out or that a third brake light is out or something like that. So the license plate light, that gets a lot of people. Yeah. Another one that gets people a lot is not stopping at the stop line at an intersection. Usually in a lot of places here in town, if you stop at the stop line, you can't see if there's oncoming traffic or not. So you have to pull out past it, you know, to look down the road. But I've seen it in countless police reports that it's always you know, it's always reported as a person being unable to stop their vehicle in time for the crosswalk. 
which I don't, I don't think that that's really the reason. I don't think that people are just blowing past stop signs and unable to stop their vehicle in time for the crosswalk. I think that you just need to pull out there to see if there's traffic coming or not, but that's often used against people. Yeah, definitely. What changes do you think we could make in our community to make for more fair and equitable with crime and arrests so that it actually, you know, serves the purpose which society wants it to serve, um, in your opinion? I think that... um the entire criminal justice system should be downsized by 90%. That's what I think. LA just did it. (laughs) Yeah. If you, and even with that, you would be able to prosecute every murderer and rapist and, you know, Mm -hmm. every violent, horrible crime easily. That's such a small percentage of what the criminal justice system is. I mean, it's, it's, signing up poor people to be on probation, violating them for not getting (laughs) doing probation correctly. Half of the system is just people who don't have a driver's license. And I I don't think it does the world any good to Mm -hmm. um, keep arresting and charging these people for these minor infractions. There, There are people put in holes so deep financially, they can never get out of them. I had a client once who was living in the parking lot, had no income, and I he was charged with a new crime. He had some mental health concerns and uh, they wanted a $750 fine on it. And I went through his entire criminal record and I was like, you know, I added it all up, all of his outstanding fines. And I was like, he owes $28,000 to the court. Uh. He can never come up with that. Why do you want to tack another $750 on top of that? I mean, there's no point. I feel like there, it pushes a lot of people towards financial ruin. It's a hard system to get out of once you're in it. I think that really uh, downsizing the whole system, I, I think, would be the, the most beneficial to, to the entire community. Yeah. And it would be nice to take those resources and put them into mental health and housing and social work and all those things that it seems like there's never enough. Yeah, there, there really isn't. There, there needs to be a little more compassion with people because there is this thing where people are treated like criminals. You know, people like that dividing line of us versus them. And so you have people that, you know, when they show up for jury duty, it's kind of like, well, they get to be a cop for a day and put a bad guy in jail when really a, commu- a jury is supposed to be a jury of your peers. The idea yeah. is that if they're going to take one of us and put him in jail, then we get the final say on what happens in our community. But that's just not the stance that's that's taken on it. We also look at, you know, you had mentioned race issues earlier. Do you think anybody of color in all of Whatcom County can ever have a jury of their peers? You know, that's no. not even a thing. I would also, I guess, take this time to urge everyone to please go to jury duty. Mm. We have a lot of brilliant minds who are used to listening to very boring things and taking notes and thinking critically. And we don't have any Western students go to jury duty. No Whatcom students, no BTC students. We have virtually no young men whatsoever, uh, hardly any young women. When we have a jury trial, the people that are really showing up who feel like it's their civic duty are um, people that go to church. So we end up with an elderly population of very religious people, which is not the easiest group to say words like methamphetamines or, you mm-hmm. know, marijuana or heroin or something like that too, you know? Yeah. It's hard for anyone to get a jury of their peers unless you were old white church lady, you can have a jury <laughs> of your peers, but that's about it. That is so fascinating. Cause I just, that's something 
people that are listening, it's something you can do to make a, like a, a real change. And it's something like I had never even thought of before. And I probably a lot of people have never thought about jury duty and what it would mean and how they could have such a positive effect just by going in and having that younger person perspective or that educated perspective or that POC perspective. So yeah. thank you so much for pointing that out because that's a huge consideration. And so I it hope everybody really takes is. their jury duty seriously. Yeah. And if I hear anybody talk about jury duty, it's only ever to talk about how to get out of it. <sighs> yeah. So I have a I have a question really quick because I had a coworker last year who took some time off for jury duty. And my most of my coworkers and I, we are all under the impression that you kind of just wait around and twiddle your thumbs until you're called to jury duty. Can can I self-select to do jury duty? Because I would. Like, I love that shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not that I've ever heard of. Usually it's just a random, based on voter registration, just mail it okay. out and get your jury duty. And Yeah. And, and they have a system now where you call in every day to see if you're needed or not. So you don't have to just hang out. I know some places, like I've been down to Seattle where there's just been a room full of people just hanging out to see if they're going to be on a jury or not. Yeah. But here, usually you can call in early, and the day before even to know if you're going to be you know, needed or not. So it's fairly easy to still, you know, plan your schedule, even if you have jury duty, that it doesn't just mean you can't do anything and you're just tied down. But um, it's really important. I really think that the system could have a lot of change if, you know, we see a lot of young activists these days, but they're not going to jury duty. So that's something that everyone really can do to take a part of ownership of this system. It's, it's supposed to be for all of us. It's just... Uh, it's been twisted and, and skewed the wrong direction. And if there's ever going to be any change in it, then I think that people need to start investing and, and just paying a little bit more attention to what's going on in there. You know, there, there's no us and them. It's, it's just us. And we are getting slaughtered in that courthouse. You know, it's the whole system is against you. I mean, I'm a criminal defense attorney. This is what I specialize in. And I'm always at a disadvantage in every case because I'm not the state. I'm never going to have uniformed troopers on my side to come testify on behalf of my clients. Like yeah. every private citizen who goes to a jury trial is completely outclassed. So it's, um, it's a difficult system. I just would urge people to take more of an active role in it. Thank you. Thank you so much. That is so helpful. Can we talk a little bit about your own practice, which is relatively new? Uh, maybe how people can get in contact with you or the kind of cases that, that you choose to take on? Um, yeah. I uh, Let's see. I started as a public defender and then I worked for two other private attorneys in town. And um, then just recently, you know, set off on my own to start my own firm and one thing that I always wanted to do was try and fill in the gap between public defense and a private attorney. Mm. Either you get an attorney for free or you have to come up with $5,000. And I feel yeah. like the entire city of Bellingham is kind of in between those two extremes. So people end up hiring attorneys for, you know, these really high prices that they, they can't afford. They're on payment plans. They're defaulting on their payment plans. You know, it's I think just a little, it's a little more money driven than it should be. I mean, everybody wants to make a decent paycheck, but I'm trying to start something with more, just more economical, more in line with all the people I know in Bellingham. You know, I know all my friends are dishwashers and bartenders and, you mm -hmm. know, they, they don't have $5,000 sitting around to hire a lawyer. Yeah. So I'm trying to do things just all around 
um, cheaper, trying to keep the overhead low. I don't drive a fancy car. I don't have a fancy office. Trying to just get the work done. Um, also trying to expand into family law a little bit because there is no public defense for family law. Why is that? Uh, I, I'm sure it's just a funding issue. Okay. There, there are very specific grants and things like that to even uh, fund a, a criminal public defender's office. But there are some resources. There's law advocates and... Um, you know, there are some some places out there trying to uh, help people deal with their paperwork. So I'm really trying to expand into that. I feel like my entire career, my friends would call me for family law issues. Not a lot of my friends were getting criminal charges all the time, but a lot of them had issues with, the, you know, they needed a divorce or a simple parenting plan to be put in place or, or parentage to be established or child support to be reconsidered or whatever it is, you know. It's it's a system that's set up for you to do it yourself, but it's all written in legal jargon and nobody can understand it. So yeah, I don't want to get into the big contested divorces and things like that, but basically want to try to come up with a system where I can help people with their family law issues, where I'm essentially a guide through the system. I'll translate their paperwork into English for them, show them where to sign. I mean, the whole system's a maze. So being able to just point people in the right direction is a good thing. So I'm hoping to expand more into that uncontested divorces, parenting plans, that kind of thing. Because I think there's a real need for it. I think just in general, there, there's a need for affordable um, legal representation. That's just not, that just doesn't seem to be a thing. I mean, it seems like lawyers are either in public defense or they're out to make as much money as they can. And there's not really a whole lot in the middle. Hopefully yeah. it'll catch on. I'm trying to do something a little new here and, you know, just make things all around more affordable for people. Well, we believe in your mission and we're happy that we can help get the word out. Thank you. Yes. I just have a few questions really quick about, um, actually, I just have one question about COVID-19. How, how has COVID-19 impacted practicing criminal defense law? Well, it, um, it's been fairly drastic. For the most okay. part, courthouses were uh, large gathering places, so they're one of the first things to get shut down. Yeah. So for most people, the uh, their court cases have just been continued. So they're mm -hmm. just at home and they just have no court and haven't for the last couple months, which is you know frustrating for some of them. I mean, some of these people have scram bracelets on. That's uh, you know it's got to be a attached to your skin at all times and they're very irritating yeah people who are in custody still have court and they are starting to transfer over into teleconferencing i just had a probation violation hearing today via telephone and I, it really just made a lot more sense than getting all these people into these courthouses i'm hoping that it is a trend that lasts and takes off because it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot easier it makes a lot more sense to just get somebody you know, on the phone for their court appearance or teleconference than to make people take time off work, drive however far, you know, some people get charges in Bellingham that don't live here. And so there are people that have to drive up, it takes hours, they have to spend the night in a hotel just to stand in a courtroom for 30 seconds and ask for a continuance, you know, so I think it can streamline the whole process. I'm, I'm hopeful that it'll make changes that are that are kept in place. And aside from that, it's the same kind of struggle as every other business. All of my clients all suddenly lost their jobs at once. It was a drastic reduction in 
uh, income, but that's just, I mean, we're all in this together. So I've been, you know, not enforcing any payment plans during this time, but it's, yeah, it's, it's been completely changed. I think more than some industries, I mean, some industries are just closed until they can open again, like restaurants, but I think the courts have, uh, they've had to alter their entire procedures for how, how court takes place. But I think for the better. Yeah. Hopefully, like you said, some good changes in the future come out of all of this. So we want to wrap this up by slipping into our final segment, which is local treasures. In this segment, we do a round table sharing of something we ate, drank, or otherwise consumed recently that fills us with local pride. Do you have anything of that persuasion, Sean? Local pride. Um, been hard to really uh, enjoy the local uh, economy lately with everything being shut down. But I've, um, I've, <laughs> I've thought it's, I've been known a number of bartenders. I think I mentioned that earlier. But them transitioning <laughs> over to um, to go cocktails. Yes. That is something that I think is really cool. That's a that's uh-huh. a barrier that's not been broken for a long time in the state of Washington. <laughs> being able to sell alcohol cocktails to go and we uh, had to get a pandemic to (laughs) make it happen i hope it stays i really like it (laughs) yeah yeah so the way the businesses just all around have been staying afloat during this it's just um i don't know i'm just i'm proud of bellingham all around during this pandemic you know that the communities really come together you know all the bar and restaurant people are very much a united front pretty much all the all the bar owners and restaurant owners, they, they know each other. They have Facebook groups and really the way that they've been supporting each other and setting up, um, how do we add these menu items to our website and, and all that kind of stuff. So the way that they've really come together, I, I don't know, I think that's inspiring. That's been, been some pretty drastic changes for the bar industry and they've really uh, uh, risen to the occasion, I think. Have you consumed any of these fabulous cocktail kits? I have not. But I'm planning on getting one from the Cabin Tavern. <gasps> Christian that owns that place is amazing. And I definitely want to support his bar as much as possible. So right. probably right after we get done with this interview, I'm going to figure out how to order myself a to-go cocktail. Perfect. Have they, so they, I didn't even know that they had started uh, cocktail kits at the cabin. I, I feel like I've been pretty on top of it, but I didn't, I gotta do my homework. This is good news for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The Orion is starting to sell to go food again. So they're going to be back in business and doing to go cocktails. I think that um, now's a great time to try and support your local bar and restaurants. They're really suffering by not being able to have customers, you know. And we're suffering not being able to have bars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all miss each other. <laughs> I know. Uh, what about you, Annika? What's your pick this week? So I got the Garden Bowl from Kombucha Town recently. It has like jackfruit and mushrooms in it and some other goodies. And I am very excited for the Orion, like like you just said, Sean, to open up because um, I, I talked to them already and I was like, I'm going to buy from you guys this week. So I'm very excited because I love the Orion and I, I miss it there. And so <laughs> I like their macaroni salad. Oh. <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. Uh, my pick this week is former guest of the show, Dirty Dan Harris. Brandon and I ordered in kind of a fancy dinner with crab cakes and a roast beef sandwich and giant Caesar salad. I did that thing where I order way too much food. Uh, we also got the breadsticks, but it was delicious and it made us feel fancy. And we ate it all, even though it hurt. <laughs> 
because I ordered way too much. So thank you, Dirty Dan Harris. All right. Well, we want to thank Sean one more time for coming on the show. This was such an informative, fascinating interview and so topical. And I'm really excited to get this out to our listeners. Well, it's been fun uh, being on here. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, We also want to thank Jeff for doing our music, Annika for doing our editing. And uh, I'm going to take you away with a big stay healthy, Bellingham. A little more subdued, Maria. Please stay healthy.